It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Muscle aches, rashes. To find an answer. Hair loss. I'm so tired. You need to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, and you can follow me on twitter.com slash joykeys. Also, check me out on Facebook. Look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And I'm on Instagram. Also, I want to let people know you guys can email me if you have any questions or concerns or suggestions. Um, Saturdays with Joy Keys at Hotmail.com. Again, that's Saturdays with Joy Keys at Hotmail.com. Also, I want to let you know you can download the shows on iTunes. All the archive shows over the last several years, if you look up Joy Keys, all the shows will pop up and you can download them from there. So you can be walking, listening to it on your iPhone. I'm Team iPhone. You can also listen to them on your Android, but I'm team iPhone. So anyway, <laughs> I just want to thank you for your support. Uh, like 1.2 million downloads of the show, just amazing. And, uh, again, just thank you so much. Well, I am blessed. This is like the third, maybe fourth time she's been on the show. Um, this author has written so many books, I can't even name them all, but they have really uh, been on the forefront uh, for science fiction, fantasy, um, you know, just breaking barriers for African-American writers in these, diff- in these particular fields that you may not think they would be in, but she's there, uh, as well as her husband. They're both very talented individuals. Um, and she's on the line, I believe, right now. Yes. Good yes, morning. Yes, I'm on the line. Hey, good morning. Hi. <laughs> what I'm were you going to say? Glad to be here. <laughs> no, just glad to be Thank here. You. It's a little earlier on the West Coast. <laughs> Yes, yes, thank you, and that's why I'm blessed because you woke up at 8.30, your time, to talk to me at 11.30, my time. Yes. Um, let me just tell the audience, this is author Tanana Du, and we're going to be talking about her book, Ghost Summer Stories. Again, but she's been on the show several times, so if you want to look up Joy Keys and Tanana Du together, you'll see several other interviews we've done about many of her other books. Um, also, she worked on the book on a series uh, with Blair Underwood, so um, you want to check that out. But today we're talking about ghost summer stories. Don't read this at night before you're about to go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning like <laughs> I did or something like that because you will need your teddy bear um, and the light on, maybe the, 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 room, the, the room light, the hallway light, and then the other room light just to make sure there's nobody in there behind the door. <laughs> Ooh, that bad. Uh, wow. Well, you know, because you don't know what's coming because you're kind of smooth no. about it, you know. You're very smooth, and you, you, you get us sucked in, and we're like, okay, no, this is just the normal. The mom and daughter are having some difficulties, you know, maybe postpartum depression type of thing, or oh, <laughs> swimming in that pool. What's wrong with swimming in a pool? There's nothing wrong. You know what? Oh, some animal's going to come get her. No, she becomes the animal and goes gets other things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll admit some of the stories are... A bit strange. <laughs> a bit odd. A bit yeah, odd. A bit, a bit different. Odd. 
Um, but you know what? I, I really like the um, intro that was written um, for the book, and um, Nalo Hopkinson really nailed it about, you know, just <laughs> like this eerie sense that you give, you know, and she had no idea that, you know, such a nice, generous, kind type of person would have these crazy <laughs> thoughts and write about them, you know. Um, she was really shocked. I, too, was shocked. <laughs> really? Um, I, now, that's surprising after much. all these years. Okay, good. Yeah, not as much. Not as much. I, I don't think so. No, not as much. Um, but let's, let's, let's talk about, one, why this short stories? Why did you not just write another book again? What made you decide to, like, you know what, let me do these little, 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 little things here? You know, I had been writing novels for years. And, in fact, even though I submitted short stories as I was developing as a writer, I never had one published. Um, there was one publisher that said yes to a story that's not actually in this collection. And um, then they went out of business. So when I published my first oh my novel goodness. in 19... I know, it was terrible. I was so heartbroken. And it was years before I got another acceptance letter. But um, it was actually for my novel, The Between, which came out in 1995. And I went on like that. I actually quit my job. I became a full-time novelist for 15 years. And the only reason I ever went back to short stories was when editors made inquiries and said, would you write this uh, when Cherie Thomas was doing Dark Matter, which is this groundbreaking anthology of black science fiction and fantasy. She said, will you write a story? So over the years, I said yes to several editors, uh, including Nala Hopkinson, uh, Fantasy and Science Fiction Magazine asked me to write a story in tribute to Harlan Ellison, the great science fiction legend. So I had all these stories that I'd collected but I, I didn't have a home for them. And you know what? I was very surprised that when I, I tried to to sell it to my big commercial house, they really weren't interested in a short story collection. You know, I was like, really? This is, I had no idea. I had never tried before. Mm. So I, I ended up going to a very small press called Prime Books. I've known the editor, Paula Grant, since my very first novel. I remember she wrote a blurb about me saying, learn the name, learn how to pronounce it. This is going to be a big voice in the horror field kind of thing. And so she yeah. was always a supporter. <laughs> and, um, it's, yeah, it's been very, very exciting. It's a teeny little press, but the, the book is getting such great notice. We were just uh, mentioned in the L.A. Times as, a, as one of the holiday books, you know, that you should buy. I, I just mm -hmm. got listed in a book of uh, a list of fifteen powerful books in in the root. So it's like wow. And Publishers Weekly, well, one of the best uh, books of the year. So yeah, it's been a, a super exciting ride and very gratifying after a little bit of a challenge in the beginning. Well, you know, you deal with so many topics in the book. Not just you know, people are thinking, oh, it's about ghosts. The whole thing is not about ghost people. Okay, there are ghosts there in some of the stories, but you're also dealing with family. You're dealing with love. You're dealing with, you know, relationships. You're dealing with death and dying, but not necessarily really to ghost per se all the time. Right. Just what right. happens to the person who's dying, I believe, and also how the people outside the person who's dying, like how are they handling it, you know? Um, yeah. So those are really powerful issues. Um, let's talk about that a little bit, the death and dying. Um, What's up with that? You know, the last... <laughs> There's a lot in there, okay? Can somebody just please live and survive? Like, really? You know? <laughs> well, you know, some um, people do survive. In fairness, there are some survivors in this story. In fact, uh, one of my trilogies is about 
the burden of survival, you know, when when you're in a plague mm-hmm. and everyone else is dying. But, you know, it's, it's no secret probably to people who read my work that I have a little bit of a fascination with mortality. And I, I cannot fully explain what that is except from a very young age having a very strong awareness that no matter what is on the other side, this is a finite experience. I, I was never able to lull myself into that kind of denial I think most of us live with every day that this is just the way things will be. Now, things catch me by surprise. My mother's illness and death really, mm-hmm. even with that, still caught me by surprise. Um, and I processed some of that in this collection. There's a story called Vanishing, um, which which tries to capture what it feels like when someone's there one minute and gone, you know, the next. It's like it, it, the the mind cannot exactly wrap around it. So every story I write is coming from a different direction, and sometimes it's ghosts, sometimes it's zombies, sometimes it's demons, sometimes it's the monster within. Uh, there there are a lot of uh, it's plague, but I'm always sort of trying to sort of fussing with this notion of how to survive, how to, in a weird way, yes, some of the stories are a little depressing, but also they're about how we embrace our survival and march forward despite whatever the monster was, you know, despite whatever the losses have been. And and to me, that really is the story of our human condition. Whether we're in denial or not, loss will find us, death will find us. Mm -hmm. So, Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to give myself life lessons in a fun way. And I say fun meaning entertaining, you know, because for me it's all I was about to say, fun. what did you say? Did you say comedy? Fun. Are you <laughs> going to with this? <laughs> no, I didn't say funny. <laughs> yes, you said but, fun. Let's talk about... Fun. Let's yeah, talk there's about... a difference between fun and funny. <laughs> right, right. Oh, you know, and she's a teacher. She's a professional. She'll correct you, okay? So don't, don't watch out here. <laughs> Exactly. Let's talk about, exactly. Um, the cloning story. The cloning story, because in terms of survival, um, that story, like daughter, um, really took it to the nth degree. You know, um, in our yeah, culture, have we have a problem right now with cloning. We have an issue. People are for it, and they think it could be great. It could be help 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 a lot of health issues. You know, people dealing with you know MS or lupus or you know, spinal you know issues. And then there's other people True. like, oh, my God, the clones are going to take over, like the computers are going to take over, and there will no longer be any of us. So it goes to the self and the other. And I was just speaking about that uh, on my previous show with the astrologer Samuel F. Reynolds about this battle between the self and other. Um, but in terms of trying to survive, uh, you talk. can you elaborate the audience about that story, like daughter, and uh, a little bit, without, I guess, giving everything away, but... Yeah, it was during a time when cloning was very much in the news. Uh, there had been a, a scientific breakthrough in terms of isolating a cell and, you know, in animals, not, not in humans. And I really was just sort of fascinated by this idea of why we're so interested in cloning, um, because two sheep can, can reproduce and have more sheep. So <laughs> what's the big deal? <laughs> with going through mm-hmm, all this scientific mm-hmm. effort to clone a sheep when they, we can just create sheep the old-fashioned way. And, and I also apply that question to, to the idea of human cloning. I think people either assume clones would be these kinds of mindless, you know, drones, which they're not. They're just people. Mm. When they mm-hmm. come, they'll just be people. 
or they'd be carbon copies of us, which in some ways they would be, you know, I'm sure if I had a clone, she, she could look a lot like me and have, you know, some of my mannerisms, et cetera, but, but her life would be determined by her experiences. So she would mm-hmm. not have grown up, you know, in the 1970s in Miami with two civil rights parents going to newly integrated schools. And, you know, that's, that's my experience. So I wanted to write a story that really, to me, got to the heart of what people are yearning for when they mm. think about cloning. And I think the deep yearning is that question of a second chance, a second chance, something to undo the trauma, because we're also created by our traumas. And someone yeah. who had an incredibly traumatic life, I'm sure they must wonder, what might I have been if this terrible thing had not happened to me? Well, you also deal with just in terms of um, relationships between mother and daughter. There's a lot of mother-daughter things going on, and one of them was um, dealing with the baby. Um, that did have ghosts in it. And <laughs> But I'm what laughing, I like about all these stories is that you're weaving in um, other issues. For example, like you're dealing with um, the woman's a military wife. You know, her husband's yes. away. You know, and for long yes. periods of time, he's going to be away for a couple months in the summer, and he's telling her, you know, um, don't worry, I'll be back when I get back. You know, everything will be great. And, you know, maybe she is dealing with postpartum. You know, that's that's a serious issue now. We have so much going on um, around the country with vets, and people are talking about the actual vet. But people fail to remember about the vet's family. Yes, those families get left behind, especially the mom. Yes. But I've always felt bad. And let's face it, uh, yeah, and, you know, I'll admit, I wrote the story you're thinking about, which is a story called Summer, uh, when I, I was a pretty new mom. I'd, I'd had a stepdaughter, but I met her when she was 11. So I was there for the teenage years, you know, which have their own challenges, but it's not the same as a, as a baby. And when you're mm-hmm. a child, and my son had a very strong personality, he still has a very strong personality. So when he was about 18 months old and that personality kicked in, <laughs> You know, mm. the tantrums start. And I think for a lot of new moms, those tantrums might look like some kind of a possession, you know. So I wanted to take that idea of possession and examine it from another angle and make it a little less, less cut and dried. We all think if our child became possessed, we would, do, we would you know, move heaven and earth to change right, that situation, right. however, whatever it takes. But, you know, there are some forms of possession, perhaps, <laughs> that might be a little bit of a relief for what you've been dealing with. So the question becomes, then, Mom, what are you going to do? What's your choice here? Okay, you may not understand what's happened, but your child seems okay. Just a little different. It's not your child. You can tell this is not your child, but are you yes. in such a hurry, really? <laughs> are you to go back to the way things work? <laughs> and that's the twist. That's the beauty of the writing because you're expecting when somebody says possession, well, I mean, immediately you're thinking negative, something really bad. But somehow this possession actually was a not a bad thing <laughs> for this mother. You know, so that 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 is that's the twist. You know, so you guys have to read that. Now, now talking about zombies and stuff like that, you you get into the kind of. Um, you know, Walking Dead, if you will, because that's a lot of people are watching that um, uh, story. Uh, what is that? Dangerwood. That was the the one and the, and the little boy. And uh, it was yeah. a really fast-paced 
um, just the heart, you know, I was like, oh, my God, he's in the safe room. He's in it. Oh, they were driving down the road in the title. I mean, that was like really fast paced. How do you how do you write from the calm? You know, there's the the lush of the of the grass and the warmth of the sun and, and the crackling <laughs> of the it. wood. And then all of a sudden you're like the safe room, the driving, the something, the boom, boom. Is there some what clicks in your mind? How, how do you change that type of writing? You know, between the two, what, how do you do that? Well, you know, you you touched on what I think is uh, one of the primary lessons I use as a teacher. I also teach uh, creative writing uh, at the master's level at Antioch uh, University, Los Angeles, and I'll be teaching a course at UCLA. And and one of the things I like to teach is that good writing is good writing across genres. Sometimes students who like to write science fiction or horror, no matter what their ethnicity feel shy about presenting Mm. those stories in traditional workshops because a lot of their workshop mates will be writing quieter stories about smaller moments, you know, moments of realization and epiphany and conflict, but that don't include car chases or zombies or spaceships. So I Mm -hmm. have that shyness. Um, and, And my philosophy has always been just write your best fiction, create a real world. I think this was is Stephen King's gift. Um, a lot of people read Stephen King who might not care about horror in general, but they love his characters. So I just try to start with creating real people and putting them in this extraordinary circumstance, especially children. There's a child on the cover of this book, and as I compiled the stories, I realized so many of the stories were about children. Um, but And I think the reason I choose them is because they come from such innocence but also have the, the ability to adjust so quickly emotionally to a change. I mean, there will be long-term effects, but in the moment, I think a child mm-hmm. spends less time just trying to process, oh, my God, how can this be happening? Oh, my God, how can this be? And they just accept this is happening, <laughs> you know, and just let's move right, on from right. there. Just go with the flow. Um, just go with the flow, and that is one of the keys to survival adaptation. You know, Octavia Butler wrote Adapt or Die. That's one of her Earthseed parables. And um, I want to say one quick thing about Danger Word, because I know in the, the world of The Walking Dead, it would seem that that story was inspired by The Walking Dead. But, but Steve and I, that was my first collaboration, uh, fiction collaboration with my husband, Stephen Barnes. Yes, I was, and it was published. yes. Mm-hmm. And it was published long before uh, The Walking Dead was on the air. Okay. It might predate, it might even predate the graphic novel, but I don't know. I hadn't read it anyway. But we love zombies. Always had love zombies, and I we wrote that story. <laughs> Wait a second. You know, you got to be careful saying stuff like that. You know what I mean? You're a parent. I don't mean I would love, love them. zombies. I, no, I know. I'm just messing. <laughs> Let me. Re- you know what? You are so right. I, I, I'm a very afraid of zombies. I think of all the movie monsters, I think zombies scare me the most. Uh, specifically, that notion of your loved ones then trying to attack you. And on a on a more serious note, you know, I I did see some immense personality changes in my mother as she aged, or as she was ill rather. And and I think that's something that as a society we don't talk about. You know, people are so unprepared for what illness means. It's not just cancer doesn't just mean, you know, you get sick and there are cancer cells in your body. It might mean that that your personality changes. It might mean the drugs that you're on might make you forget things. So it's more like dementia mm-hmm. type symptoms that you weren't expecting now um when a loved one looks at you with a lack of recognition there is so little to prepare us for that emotionally and zombies really push that button for me the total not only a lack of recognition <laughs> but you know they want to eat you 
which is, of course, the exaggeration. That's the metaphor. Um, but, yes, we, we actually wrote uh, Danger Word long before The Walking Dead. And, in fact, we crowdfunded a short film based from Danger Word. We just, you know, Steve and I got tired of waiting for Hollywood to produce our work. We've had so many projects in and out of option. I have stuff under option and in various stages of, you know, perhaps development right now. I say perhaps yeah. because you never know. <laughs> but, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but with crowdfunding, you know, we worked with my friend Lucina Fisher, who was the director. We had a great editor, Terrence Taylor. And we got on Facebook and Indiegogo and we raised our money. We hired Frankie Faison, you know, the actor. Uh, he was spinning yeah. the wire, he, coming to America, you name it, to play Grandpa Joe. And it's at www.dangerword, all one word, dot com, www.dangerword.com. You can see that on YouTube for free. Um, but we really just wanted to do something different, you know? Like, how about a survival story that has some black folks in it? And, it, and we changed the gender. And I was going to bring very, that up. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. I was going to bring From a that little up. Boy. I was going to bring the, actually the issue of that you have uh, people of color in your stories, and that is something new because I grew up um, with my my, my father. Uh, he he got me hooked on to reading sci-fi and fantasy and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I was reading Ursula Le Guin and Octavia but I was a kid reading her stuff. You know, it, it's just crazy. Um, and it was like, wow, black people. But you know what's funny? As a kid. I didn't necessarily say, wow, black people, but it was like, wow, somebody like me, the cover, the person looks like me, um, and they have skin like me, and their hair is like me, and I was just drawn to it. I would read other sci-fi fantasy things, and it was, like, great for some reason, picking up Octavia Butler uh, was like, wow. It was just, you know, under the covers with the flashlight, like, yummy. Delicious, you know, and so for your stories, too, I think this is great. You have Latino people in there. They're speaking their language, Mm. and they're dealing with the Mm. same issues that other characters in these other books are dealing with, but that don't look like me. I can't, it's like, are there no black people or Latino people or Asian people in the future? What about Native Americans, even, you know? I know. Well, and, you know, this this has been a, a failing of vision, I think uh, listening to these old radio shows from the 40s and 50s, you had so many um, futurists, the great futurists, who could envision traveling to the moon, colonies in space, but they couldn't envision uh, women being anything but sort of secretaries. (laughs) Mm. And they couldn't couldn't envision a multicultural world, a multicultural universe. That is changing, you know, not only because more artists of color are coming into the field, but with pressure, like, for instance, this Gods of Egypt trailer, which caused such a furor when apparently oh, there was yes. no attempt, no attempt at all to even make anyone look brown. I mean, I mean, like, let's just pretend this isn't Egypt and we'll just go on with Hollywood business as usual. That Hollywood business as usual model is shifting. And there are a lot of reasons it's shifting. Some of it is demographics. You know, look at how The Wiz Live did for NBC. So you think we're going to see more live stage shows on NBC for blacks? Yes, we will. Um, as as black. No, but isn't that racist? Office. Wait a second. Wait a second. Tanana, isn't that racist? The Wiz was all black. Is that not racist? I know. Why can't they have an all white The Wiz? Oh wait, <laughs> that was called oh, The Wiz wait. of Oz. Right. Yeah. What the? <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, I was like... <laughs> I mean, we're, we're joking. We're joking, but there is blowback. You know, as as sort of um, 
I guess what some people refer to as whiteness, which I think is, is, is it's not white people. You know, I'm not talking about individuals. Uh, there are many whites who are my fans and family and literally my family, brothers-in-law. But the idea of a, the white world, a white-driven, centered world, is starting to change uh, in this country. And as that happens, we will see blowback, you know, when, when people see – the black actor, black British actor John uh, Boyega as as fan for the Star Wars and those posters, there's blowback. There there's grousing about it. There was grout why is Rue black in the Hunger Games? Well she was black in the book, that's why. Uh you know, I it, 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 No, she had a tan. She just was like she had a tan. She was like Italian, <laughs> Southern Italian or something. I don't I don't know Southern what are you matter. talking about. I'm I'm confused. <laughs> it's it, you know, and, and you almost have to laugh to keep from crying. I mean, there are ways this manifests that, that are not funny, you know, like, for instance, in, in our uh, law enforcement, this idea of sort of dehumanization and you're not the person I'm protecting, you're the person I'm protecting other people from, that can be uh, mm-hmm. very uncomfortable and deadly for, for young blacks especially. So so there are aspects of, of those changes that will be painful, Um it's, I think it's going to be, in fact, a very violent next few years in terms of supremacist violence um, and this kind of thing. But at the same time, our kids, my son, will have grown up for eight years with a black president, which, you know, I can't even calculate what kind of impact that has on a young person. There are more and more book covers with people of color on the cover because back in the day you might have black writers and black characters, but they weren't even black on the cover. You see what I'm saying? That's how deep no. it was. <laughs> yep, yep. There were not people on the cover. So, you could not gravitate, you know, but there's more and more. No. But I think what's interesting is that people, you know, uh, writers, you you are teaching, so you have a larger impact. As Just being a writer is great, but being a teacher is an awesome impact because you're uh, creating a future, a different future. Because you're dropping, up, you know, ideas into the minds of these, you know, young people in, in school. <clears throat> I I like to think so. I've already had, you know, some star students. Um, I'm very proud of Daniel Jose Older. You know, is a Cuban American writer who whose um, Shadow Shapers is making a big splash in young adult fantasy, breaking barriers not only with the black girl on the cover, but the black girl with the natural hair, you know, and people holding mm-hmm. their faces up against the book. So they say, look, this hair is like mine. That is a very powerful feeling. I get why creators create people who look and feel like them. I, told, I mean, I don't, I don't fault white writers for that. Um, you have to learn how to write the other, want to write, and some don't need to try because then you get books like The Help where I wish, you know, let's just stay away from writing about black women. <laughs> right. uh, write what you know, write what you know. But um, all of us do have that drive to create images for ourselves, for our children, and as we have learned as black viewers and readers, we can relate to the experiences of a white male protagonist a white female protagonist, you know, uh, an Asian protagonist. We've had to learn how how to see ourselves in, in characters who don't look like us. And, and I know white readers can also do that. They have not been asked as often to do that. But as the years go on, it will be more and more common that these so-called universal characters will just look like the world, and it won't be so mm-hmm. important. That that time, you know, has not arrived, but it is, you could see it. You could see it coming on the horizon. It's a very exciting time to be an artist. 
So um, anyone out there who is wondering, do I have it, can I do it, if you're a writer, filmmakers, especially in an era when you can literally make a film on your iPhone, there are no excuses. There are no excuses. This is the time. Okay, we're, we're, we're coming down to the wire here. And last question, what's with the pets? Do you have pets? The pet dogs and the cats. I'm scared now. I don't know about it. I don't want to get a pet. You're making me scared. Like, really? I have a... Uh, I mean, can you talk I, to me about I have this? To, I have to admit, I'm, I'm talking afraid about of the dogs. story. She has a lot of dogs and cats and things going on in the, in the story. You'll notice, you'll notice that the cats come out pretty well in my story. I don't have any evil cat stories, but I do have a, a couple of uh, dog situations. I think part of that is ancestral memory. You know, I was just very struck by uh, stories of, of slaves running away from dogs and, and the damage the dogs did to them. But also when I was a baby, like 18 months old, my mom had a very mean German shepherd. So to me, the picture of evil <laughs> in animal form. Oh, my German God. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm trying to get I'm going to try to get over that phobia, but I've just told him right out it will not be a German Shepherd. You could just listen, uh, check that one off the list. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we've had a great conversation. I think some, the sound for some reason cut off, but it's the, the, the interview is going to be archived. So I did tweet and let people know that if they, for some reason, all of a sudden stop hearing us, it's okay you'll be able to listen to the whole interview. Um, It'll be archived in about 15 minutes. Um, But, wow, thank you so much for coming on, and we had a great conversation. I enjoy really speaking with you. Tell your husband I said hi. Um, I I I did want to say, you know, he's an awesome, um, uh, what do you say, coach, if you will, as well as he's still helping people in that manner. Um, Oh, absolutely. Um, Coaching writers, writers. we he he has a, a new book actually called Star Wars Save My Life that is on Amazon now that is literally to help people use their favorite it's a parable to help people use their favorite genre films to find strategies mm-hmm. for creating uh, more creativity wealth um, better fitness and health so yeah we are we are still out there um, trying to help people and uh, absolutely. I just wanted to give him a shout-out because I did see the thing about the Star Wars book, and I was like, wow, look at him. He's just going and going. He's like, uh, they're a power couple, okay? You know, they just have like, and it looks like you guys bounce and feed off each other, which is a great thing because always in the news nowadays, it's always like the destruction of the black family or just marriage in general. Nobody can stay married forever, and uh, it seems like you guys are doing a great job at it, you know, raising your kids and also, you know, doing what you love, the writing and coaching and teaching. I mean, that's a form of coaching, if you will, teaching, you know. So um, I, I I bow down to you for that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We, we we are very mindful of the fact that, that role models are necessary, and we're blessed to have found each other. We we want to show people that, yes, it can be real, Um but in the meantime, what are you doing, you know, to, to fulfill your dreams and self-actualize with or without a partner? So so mm-hmm. absolutely. If people want to get on uh, Steve's mailing list, it's just www.lifewrite.com, and that will get you on a mailing list to get emails about free workshops and webinars and products and announcements. So so thank you. Yeah, we're we're trying to help spread the word. No, oh, that's great. Well, you go back to sleep now, and I will continue yeah, on with my day. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, you so have much. A great day. Thanks for I'll having talk me to you on later. the show.
Bye bye. Welcome. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you everybody for tuning. And I'm very sorry if the the sound caught off on you. But again, like I said, you'll be able to listen to the archive on iTunes and also here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to be giving away some copies of the book Ghost Summer Stories. So check me out on Twitter at Joy Keys. Become a fan on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, or tag me uh, on Instagram Saturdays with Joy Keys. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and a great week coming up. Thank you so much. Uh, next weekend, I'll be speaking with author Kimberler Lawson Roby about her latest book, and that's going to be at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, here uh, on Blog Talk Radio. So I hope you can join. Muscle aches, rashes. To find an answer. Hair loss. I'm so tired. You need to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.